Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray first of all. Father, thank you so much for your word. What a light it is to us and how much we sit in darkness without your light. So we pray that you would send the light, Lord, to our souls by causing the word of God just to come alive and to be our guide in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Genesis 21, okay, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I've borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman, will I make a nation because he is thy seed. All right, now, in our last study, we looked at the significance of this word mocking. In verse 9, that word that we looked at so carefully, that word zakach, which is very related to yitak, meaning laughter. And it's the same word that was used to describe what Sarah did in Genesis 18, 12, because it says, therefore, Sarah laughed, Sakak within herself, saying, after I'm old, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So we see how Sarah, then we saw how Sarah did this same thing, this mocking uh, that's described here. She had this mocking spirit, and then she lied about it in Genesis 18, 15, where we read that then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not for she was afraid, and he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. So we saw that Sarah had a particular problem with a mocking spirit. And we knowing that Sarah had this problem with this mocking spirit, it showed us the importance of the three words in verse 9 as we were studying this, where it says, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian she had born unto Abraham, mocking. And when Sarah, who had this problem with this mocking spirit, when she saw in Ishmael the very same mocking spirit, she was uncontrollably enraged. 
in her judgment attitude or judgmental attitude against Ishmael, which shows us the truth of what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when he said in Matthew 7, 2 through 5, he said these words, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet or you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou? And when we see that, and why beholdest thou, then that brings us back to this verse where we see, and Sarah saw. And why beholdest thou the mote, so she saw the mocking, that is in thy brother's eye, or in Ishmael, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote that's in thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eyes. So these verses apply to Sarah because it's like, Sarah, with what judgment you judge Ishmael, you're going to be judged. Sarah, with what measure you measure out to Ishmael, it'll be measured to you. Sarah, why are you beholding the mote of the mocking spirit in Ishmael, and consider not that you have a beam of a mocking spirit in you. But verse 9 makes it clear that Sarah saw, and she was the first one evidently, to catch a glimpse of, maybe, we don't know, maybe they all saw it, but maybe the important thing is that she saw Ishmael mocking, and she despised, she had despised Hagar, now she really puts her this despising on Hagar and on Ishmael as verse 9, she refers to Hagar not by her name. In verse 9, when you compare that, see, it says when you compare that, it says there, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. See, verse 9 says what she saw. She saw Hagar. Her name is listed as Hagar. Her name is Hagar. The woman's name is Hagar, okay? She saw the son of Hagar, but she doesn't refer to Hagar as Hagar, and the boy's name is Ishmael, and she doesn't refer to Ishmael by his name. She hates that name, because you remember what that name means, Ishmael? That means heard by God, heard by God. So she doesn't really like to think of him in those terms, so she doesn't call him by his name. So verse 9, we can just feel this jealousy that's raging up in Sarah towards Hagar and toward Ishmael, and she refers to Hagar as the bondwoman, the Egyptian, the Egyptian who bare the son unto Abraham. And this rage of jealousy is here. So when we read in verse 9 that Sarah saw Ishmael mocking, we're just impressed with how Sarah was herself the eyewitness. That's what's coming out in verse 9. She's the eyewitness of Ishmael mocking. Now, Ishmael at this point is about 14 years old. That's important to keep in mind. He's about 14 years old. It's not a little kid. It's not a little toddler. He's 14 years old. That means that it's been 14 years of Abraham saying, I know what hell's like. I've got it in my home. (laughs) This has been a really rough time for Abraham. It's been a tense home life for Abraham. It's been over 14 years since Hagar despised Sarah in her heart when she conceived with Abraham. And the tension started there between Sarah and Hagar. Just imagine what these 14 years were like. I mean, whenever Hagar comes where Sarah is, there's hatred in the air. And when Hagar and Sarah are in the same room, it's just a terrible environment, terrible. 
And Abraham, you know, it's, it's, a, it's better to dwell on the roof. You can't dwell on the roof of a tent, so he's in a real hard position there. <laughs> it's just terrible. And when Abraham comes into this place where Sarah and Hagar are, you know, we can, it's so tense that Abraham says, I'm leaving, I'm going, I didn't know. You know, it's just a very, very tense place. There's no sanctuary of peace and love in their home. And there's a tension so thick you can cut it with a knife. It's turned into a terrible place, his house has, a place of intense conflict, a place of hatred, a place of tension. And now this tension has come to a head as Sarah sees Ishmael mocking the long-awaited fruit of her womb. And when Sarah sees Ishmael mocking Isaac, this 14 years of building up, such a long time, of this hatred and this resentment, it just boils over now. And Sarah just cannot control herself. And that's what we have here in this scene of verse 9. Well, let's stand back from a little bit. I mean, we've been in the midst of all this personal tension between Sarah and Hagar and poor Abraham caught in the middle and Ishmael. But let's see a little bit the significance of what this looks, what this really is. I mean, this on the surface, it looks like it's a case of just sibling rivalry. I mean, it looks like that. I mean, you know, uh, you know we had three boys and, you know, we're always separating them. And don't do that to your brother, you know. <laughs> He's your brother. Anyway, but now they all get along in perfect peace and harmony, as it says. <laughs> now, this sibling rivalry, is this what this verse is all about? Is that what verse 9 is really all about? Is this really a, oh, well, boys will be boys, you know? Or is it just, oh, Ishmael, be nice to your kid brother already? Is that what this is all about? There's something far more significant here. And this is not just a case of sibling rivalry between Ishmael and his young brother Isaac. There's much, much more for us to see when we look at this carefully. There's a deep lesson in this that's so relevant in our day in verse 9 in Ishmael mocking Isaac. Because here's the issue. We look at the majority of the Jewish people and we see a people who despise the Lord Jesus Christ in his claim as the Messiah. We see a people who in the majority reject the Lord Jesus Christ as God. We see a people who in the majority oppose the Lord Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah. And that's what we see. And when we look at Ishmael as this 14-year-old boy, we see a young man who has understood that God has promised his father Abraham a child that will carry on the covenant blessings, especially the one about bringing a blessing to all the families of the earth, which of course is referring to the salvation blessing through the Messiah. And so Ishmael has now reached the age of 14. He's reached the age of accountability, and he knows what or who Isaac represents. Isaac is the child of promise. He is the fulfillment of God's promise. And so we start to learn a lesson here as we hone in on these last four words of this verse 19, 21, 19, where it says, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Really think about those words. She had born unto Abraham, and he was mocking. She had born unto Abraham. It's very interesting to compare verses 5 and 9 and notice the similarity about how both Ishmael and Isaac are described. 
Notice in verse 5, and Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Isaac was born unto Abraham. This is described in verse 5. Now verse 9, this is describes about Hagar the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham. So in both cases, we have the same type of description. Verse 5, Isaac, born unto him. Verse 9, Ishmael, born unto Abraham. Both Isaac and Ishmael are described in the same way. They are 100% born unto Abraham. Both Isaac and Ishmael are the seed of Abraham. Isaac has every right to claim to be, and he could stand up and he could say, I am 100% the seed of Abraham. Ishmael has every right also to claim. Ishmael has every right to claim, I am 100% the seed of Abraham. Ishmael has every right to claim what the Jews claimed who were trying to kill the Lord Jesus Christ when they said to him in John 8, 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed. Ishmael rightly could state, I am Abraham's seed. And he was Abraham's seed. Ishmael was the seed of Abraham. He was 100% the seed of Abraham. In the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ could have looked at Ishmael, who was both Abraham's seed and was mocking Isaac as God's promised child, and he would have absolutely agreed and said to Ishmael the words of John 8, 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed. And then he could have also said, my word hath no place in you. So in the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ could look at the majority of the Jewish people today who are both Abraham's seed and who despise, reject, and oppose the Lord Jesus Christ as God and as God's promised Messiah, and he would absolutely agree with them today and say the words of John 8, 37. I know, stipulated, that you are Abraham's seed, but my word has no place in you. So to the Jews who were Abraham's seed who were seeking to kill him, he could say, John 8, 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. He said to the majority group of the seed of Abraham, you seek to kill me. That's who he was talking to. When he was speaking in John 8, he was not speaking to the minority group of the Jewish people. He was speaking to the majority group. He was saying, you're trying to kill me. And then he said the reason why the majority group of the Jewish people, of the seed of Abraham, was trying to kill him. He said, because my word has no place in you. So the root problem with the majority group of the Jewish people who were without question, the seed of Abraham, is that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ had no place in them. They had no interest in letting the word of God change them. They evicted the word of God out of their hearts, and that's why he said, my word hath no place in you. See, that was the distinctive difference between the minority group of the Jewish people, the minority group of the seed of Abraham, the remnant group of the seed of Abraham, who were the disciples who followed the Lord Jesus Christ, and the majority group of the seed of Abraham, the majority group of the, Jews, of, of the Jewish people that were seeking to kill him. For the one very small remnant group of the seed of Abraham, his word had a place in them. And for the other, the vast majority, his word didn't have a place in them. Both groups were the seed of Abraham. They were both Jews. They were as different as night and day because of that one distinction. And the question is whether or not the word of the Lord Jesus Christ had a place in them. So that group that was trying to kill him replied back, 
by claiming to be the seed of Abraham in John 8, 39-40, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I heard of God, this did not Abraham. So the Lord Jesus Christ now makes this new distinction to further delineate between these two groups. He's clarifying what it means where the word has a, his word has a place and they were not. And the, the new distinction is now called the children of Abraham. The small remnant group of the seed of Abraham were the children now of Abraham, both were the seed, who did the works of Abraham. The other group, who's also the seed of Abraham, were not the children of Abraham. And what made the difference between the seed of Abraham, who were the children of Abraham, and the seed of Abraham, who were not the children of Abraham? And the Jews sought to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. But they said, Abraham is our father in John 8, 39. Abraham is our father. So Ishmael, mocking Isaac as God's child of promise, would also say the words of John 8, 39. Abraham is my father. The Jews today who are opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ as God's chosen Messiah would also say the words of John 8, 39. Abraham is our father. But the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Jews who wanted to kill him the words, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. The Lord Jesus Christ would say to Ishmael, mocking Isaac as God's promised child of promise, the same words. If you were a child of Abraham, you'd do the works of Abraham. If you were one of, if you were Abraham's child. So the Lord Jesus Christ would say to the Jews today who oppose the Lord Jesus Christ as God's chosen Messiah, the same words in John 8, 39. If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. And the reason the Jews who tried to kill him were not the Abraham's children, the Lord Jesus Christ made clear when he said, my word has no place in you. And the reason Ishmael mocked God's promised child, the reason he was not a child of Abraham, that means to say Ishmael, was because the Lord Jesus Christ would have made it clear to Ishmael, my word has no place in you. And the reason the Jews opposed the Lord Jesus Christ today and they're not Abraham's children is because the Lord Jesus Christ would say the same words, John 8, 37, my word hath no place in you. So we see in verse 9 this great blossoming of the teaching in the relationship between Ishmael and Isaac, or the difference in Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was God's promised child to bring the promised blessing of the salvation, which would be a blessing to all the families of the world. And that was a group of Abraham and Sarah, the believers, who rejoiced in the coming of God's promised child. And then there was the Ishmael, who was not a believer, and he didn't rejoice in the coming of God's promised child. He mocked the child of God of promise. But there was this remnant group of Abraham's seed who rejoiced in the promise that was fulfilled, that was predicted by Isaiah in Isaiah 7:14, where the Lord said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And again, he said, in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, government shall be upon his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So there was always been this remnant, there was the remnant of Mary, Mary and her friends who rejoiced in the child of promise when the angel told her in Luke 1, 35, the angel 
answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And she rejoiced, and Elizabeth and all of her friends rejoiced also at the coming of the promised child. But there was also the other group. There was also the other group of Abraham's seed, the Ishmael group of Abraham's seed, who followed exactly in the steps of Ishmael, and like Ishmael looked at Isaac and mocked, they looked at the promised one, they mocked also. They mocked also, referring to his birth, we just talked about in Luke 20, they said, we're not born of fornication and illegitimacy. That was mocking. They mocked him there. They mocked him when he taught in John 8, 56 through 59, where it says, He said, your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it was glad. Then said the Jews unto him in a mocking manner, thou art not yet 50 years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then that was over the top. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but he hid himself, went out of the temple. That Ishmael group of Abraham's seed looked at the promised one like Ishmael looked at Isaac, And like Ishmael, looking at Isaac and mocking him, they mocked him at his trial in Luke 22, 63, 65, where it says, the men that held Jesus mocked him, smote him, and when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesy, who is that that smote thee? And many other blasphemous things spake they against him. So it was that Ishmael group of Abraham's seed that looked at the promised one And like Ishmael looking at Isaac, they mocked him when he was making the atonement on the cross, when he was doing his atonement work on the cross in Mark 15, 29 through 32, where it says, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads, saying, no, 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 wagging their heads and saying, ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. Save thyself, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And while he was on the cross, and while he was doing that atonement work, he felt that mocking very strongly, yet he makes this silent prayer to God, which is recorded for us in Psalm 22, 7 through 8, where he silently, he prays, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. So we look in verse 9, and we see in Ishmael, as the seed of Abraham, mocking Isaac, the child of promise, a prophecy of how the majority of the seed of Abraham will, like Ishmael, mock the Lord Jesus Christ, the child of promise. That was standing on verse 9 and looking forward, as we just did. But we also can stand on verse 9 and look backwards to Genesis 3.15, where God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So from verse 9, looking backwards, we see the conflict between the two seeds. The conflict where the one seed, which is on the surface seen in Ishmael, but behind whom is Satan, 
who is predicted to bruise the heel of the other seed, who is ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, who is not predicted to bruise back the heel of the heel bruiser serpent, Satan, but who with a decisive blow crushes the head of the snake. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071, or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Hi, this is Tom Cantor with Friendship with God. The hymn says, See all the world, wide open doors inviting. Soldiers of Christ, arise and enter in. Christians, awake, your forces all uniting. Send forth the gospel, break the chains of sin. Are you ready for your life to be used by God to send forth the gospel and break the chains of sin all throughout the 85 million souls in Ethiopia? We have an opportunity of a lifetime, a fully paid position to train 104 church planners who will bring the gospel all over Ethiopia. For nearly 10 years, Scanabodies has been in Ethiopia with the largest business in our region. On our beautiful 12-acre Wi-Fi connected compound is our wonderful new Ethiopia Bible Institute. Dormitory, study halls, dining hall, director's house, 400-seat auditorium. They're all built. They're waiting just for you to step out of your comfort zone and say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. Why not trust God and go? You won't regret it. Call today, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051.